Okay. Um, thank you very much. I will call to order the May 22nd of 2023 meeting of the City of Kirkland Design Review Board. And we'll begin with roll call. Randall Brand. Present. Carlos Castaneda. Present. Shoshana Cohen. Fatima Chohan. Supriya Kelkar. Present. Tyler Schmidt. Present. Naomi Terse. Thanks. All right. Um, thank you very much. Um, so let's proceed. Um, we have reading and approval on uh, three different minutes. Uh, the first is November 7, 2022. The second is November 21, 2022. And the third is January 9, 2023. Um, does anyone have, have any questions or changes to the minutes? Um, I've found nothing to be changed or added to it. So I think we can approve these minutes as they are, unless anyone else has anything to add. So does anyone want to make I'll, a motion? I'll move that we approve the minutes of meetings as, as is. Okay. Um, anyone would like to second this? I'll second. Okay, move on second uh, to approve the minutes as I described. Those in favor say aye. 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 Okay, um, minutes approved. All right. Um, so I'll uh, announce uh, the agenda for um, tonight. So um, tonight, Tonight, uh, we have a continuation of a conceptual des design conference. The project is a foundry file uh, number number DRB 22-00407. And uh, I don't think that there's anything else. So um, it, now it will be the time for any members of the public audience who wish to speak on any items not related to tonight's agenda. Um, John, do we have anyone in uh, the list? No, there's no one in attendance. Okay, uh, so uh, let's let's just uh, dive right into the continuation of the design conference. Okay, let me share my screen. Okay, just to double check, do we all see my slide? Yes, we can Perfect. see. Perfect. <laughs> okay. All right, let's jump in. Um, Hi everyone, it's good to see you guys. My name is Jen Anderer. I'm an associate planner for the city of Kirkland. Um, we're here to continue the conceptual design conference for the Foundry project. I'll do um, a quick refresher and then highlight the items that the board requested from the last meeting and then anything specific needing the board's approval tonight. 
So the subject property is made up of these two parcels. It's located in the Totem Lake neighborhood at the corner of 128th Lane Northeast and Northeast 124th Street. And um, the property currently houses two separate two-story commercial buildings and those uh, make up the Totem Lake Commercial Center. For our zoning, the subject property is TL7A, so that has an 80-foot height maximum above average building elevation. Similarly, the property just to the west there is the same zoning, so we have the same height. Uh, to the north, TL9A, to the east, TL7B, and to the south, TL6A. Those all are 45 feet above average building elevation. Then the massing options shown here tonight and in the packet, they vary slightly, but um, in general, the applicant's proposing to build a seven-story mixed-use building uh, containing approximately 450 residential units, 13,500 square feet of commercial space, and then parking located within a garage. Quick refresher and overview on our permitting process. So we're in the conceptual design conference phase of the design review. Once the board approves the CDC, we'll move on to the design response conference. And um, the applicant is currently working on their SEPA review or their environmental review. And that will run concurrently with the design review. And then they will also be submitting development permits for grading and building of the project. So at the last CDC meeting um, on February 6th, the board was concerned that the massing options were a little too similar. They discussed the need for more horizontal and vertical modulation, pedestrian connections, engagement, um, compliance with the Kirkland zoning code for things such as the landscape buffer and design standards for projects adjacent to the Cross Kirkland Corridor or the CKC. Uh, pages one and two of the staff report list the specific materials that the board had requested that the applicant include in their submittal and they've gone ahead and provided additional materials in their plan set. So for tonight's meeting, the board should discuss pro the project's compliance with the design guidelines, techniques to satisfy the design requirements for those projects that are adjacent to the CKC, um, how the landscape buffer modification results in superior design, and then any materials needed for the design response conference. And we'll go into a little bit more detail on those in the coming slides. As far as zoning, there are a number of pertinent zoning regulations. Uh, we discussed these at the last meeting. They're also included in the staff report that was provided to the board. So um, just in the interest of time, I'll focus on the ones that specifically require the board's review um, or approval. So those include ground floor retail, as we've discussed, projects adjacent to the CKC and then also the landscape buffer. So starting with ground floor retail, the code does have a provision that at least 20% of the total gross floor area located on the street level along Northeast 124th needs to be commercial. And that space needs to have a minimum depth of 20 feet, but an overall average of 30 feet. It doesn't appear that the applicant's asking to modify this requirement and they can certainly speak to that if there were any design changes in their presentation, but should they request a modification, the board does have authority to approve a minor reduction in that depth, as long as the applicant demonstrates the requirements not feasible given the configuration of existing improvements. Then for the Cross Kirkland Corridor, there's site design and building design guidelines for projects adjacent to the CKC. So this is things like there's a 10 foot, um, 
setback, there's pedestrian circulation, bike parking, blank wall treatments, modulation requirements. Uh, these are all listed on page four of that staff memo. And the board should review the project for compliance with these standards at the design response conference. So tonight we'll be looking for the board to identify any required submittal materials that the applicant should include in preparation for the DRC. And then we have landscape buffers. So the code requires a 15 foot landscape buffer on the west, north and east property lines of this project. There's modification criteria, which requires a variation to this standard um, to result in superior design and that it doesn't have a substantially detrimental effect to nearby properties. So the applicant included an analysis of the landscape buffers in their packet and they're requesting a modification for both the west and the east landscape buffers. And staff completed a preliminary review of the applicant's modification request, but ultimately the board has the authority to grant that modification. So tonight, uh, similar to the CKC, we'll be looking for the board to provide feedback um, on the criteria for that modification and what they would like to see at the DRC meeting. Okay, so as far as context, the board should continue to discuss the physical and built environment on and around the subject property. We're looking at things like height and of the neighboring structures, the CKC landscaping, um, and identify any opportunities or constraints of the site given streetscapes, activities, uses in the area, pedestrian patterns, um, and open space. The board should be reviewing this project in relation to the Totem Lake design guidelines with particular emphasis on these key design issues listed here. So starting with scale, we're thinking key vantage points, opportunities to emphasize that street corner, pedestrian friendly building fronts, and then specifically, as I've mentioned a couple times now, um, the design techniques adjacent to the CKC. And for pedestrian access, the board should discuss how the massing relates to the pedestrian environment, uh, what opportunities are there for pedestrian spaces, and then there is a special consideration for TL7A properties um, that gets at, you know, what opportunities are there to provide it's a safe and convenient public pedestrian access between Northeast 124th and the CKC. And then for open space and landscaping, we're looking at any opportunities to capitalize on those through the design. Um, and then as mentioned before, there's the landscape buffer modification. So discussing the proposed um, buffer and the minor variation request and providing any feedback for that superior design. Finally, we're asking the board to provide guidance on the app, uh, to the applicant on their proposal and identifying a preferred massing option and determine what information or application materials are needed for that design response conference. So with that, I can take questions that you might have for staff. Um, if none, we can go ahead and move on to the applicant presentation. Jennifer, this is Randall. <clears throat> have, Hi, Randall. I have one question for you. Sure. Uh, and the applicant may get into this, but uh, as it's just something that as I was looking at it again, repeating and just getting ready for this evening, the 
there's a series of balconies. Now it's not at every unit and this type of thing, balconies that are extended out from the building. Are these extended into the setback area? You know? I'm not sure. I know that's something that we had talked about way back in a pre-submittal meeting, but I think probably the applicants, since we're at um, kind of more of a conceptual stage, they might be able to speak on that. Yeah, that, that'd be one question that I'd want okay. to touch on. That's it. All right. Um, does anyone else with the board has any other questions? Jennifer? If not, uh, it's going to be a um, moment for the applicant to start presenting. Okay. Well, good evening. Thank you, Jennifer, staff, uh, and Design Review Board, once again, for your time and consideration. We're thrilled to be here and to receive the necessary direction to move our development forward. My name is Sean Thorson. I'm the Director of Acquisitions for American Capital Group, and joining me this evening is our Vice President of Development, Mr. David Sinnott. I've rearranged some images and pages from the PDF submission you, you were provided once again to uh, make this presentation a little bit more efficient. Um, and we'll just share my screen real quick here. Can everybody see that? Yes, we can see okay. your screen. Perfect. Um, as Jennifer mentioned, our site is located at 12700 Northeast 124th Street on the eastern edge of the TL7A zoning uh, in Totem Lake. Uh, it consists of two parcels, totaling uh, the approximate 4.6 acre site you are likely familiar with. Uh, currently, currently, the property serves as a mix of light industrial and other small businesses, although it is predominantly vacant at this time. Uh, since we have already dove into this previously, I'll skip over the rest of the site context for now. Um, and then aside from that, noting our property is one of the few that borders the Cross Kirkland Corridor Trail and Totem Lake itself, the uh, entire length of our northern side of our property. On this page, we can see an enlarged section of the site survey and several current drone shots that showcase the views of the property from every angle. Each side of the property slopes in, different, in a different direction and grade, making developing this site quite complex. The existing building has addressed this by depressing the grade of the entire site below the surrounding right-of-way, including below the CKC. And we plan to address this issue along the two frontages. As visually shown in photo A, the site slopes from east to west approximately five and a half feet. Photos B, C, and D show us differing slopes from the front to the back of the property, as well as ranging from an approximate nine foot slope running south to north on the east side of the property to over 10 feet on the west side of the property, these two areas here. Um, so it's a little bit of a corkscrew uh, effect, unfortunately. Jennifer's already gone through a great deal of the zoning code. However, however we have included a full analysis of the applicable codes in our full submission for reference. So I'll skip over that. This section outlines a comparison of the proposed building height to the allowed height in the TL7A zoning. As proposed, our building height will be an average of 69 feet, nine and a quarter inches over average building grade. All alternatives will achieve approximately the same finished height. 
In our last meeting, the DRB requested an overlay and comparison of our proposed development to the village at Totem Lake. Using our preferred option to represent the general overall scale of our development, one can easily see how much larger the village at Totem Lake is when compared to our footprint. These are at scale as well. The village, at, the village frontage is approximately 1,073 linear feet, which is more than both of our right-of-way frontages combined. Our primary frontage is only 478 feet 10 inches. As a whole, our development footprint is roughly 68% smaller than the village at Totem Lakes. As we can see in these two images, our proposed development is significantly smaller than the village at Totem Lake in every way. Our finished height is nearly 17 feet below theirs, and in the image on the right, one can see an overlay of our building's footprint, footprint dwarfed by that of the village at Totem Lake. So here is our entire site with an overlay at scale. As previously mentioned, our plan for this site is special. It has remained the same light industry, industrial feel for many, many years, while the Totem Lake neighborhood has matured around it. The challenges in planning this development are equally matched by its potential to bring new residents close to the natural beauty, connectivity, and convenience Totem Lake has to offer. We aim to enhance this a step further. We want to take, we want our future residents to ha have uninhibited access to these area amenities. As such, we envision a site that is easily accessible by residents, the public, first responders, delivery drivers, and more. Our proposed site includes a two-way drive aisle, a pedestrian ADA accessible pathway, and abundant landscaping on all sides of our building. We are restoring the wetland critical area from the concrete it is currently back to its native vegetation, providing a publicly accessible fitness park with picnic areas, a sprint track, landscape buffers, as well as uh, two access points to the CKC, both of which are ADA accessible. This one would be through a ramp, and this is a uh, straight shot to the CKC from our park. And we've got pedestrian access surrounding the entire site um, where there is none now. Um, and actually going, I'm just gonna go the wrong way here. Going back, the building frontage will become, will welcome visitors to a beautifully landscaped pedestrian plaza with access to retail nearly the full length of our site. So retail will start here and continue all the way to right here. All of our design alternatives are restricted by the size, shape, topography of this site and will benefit from predominantly the same site design. The preferred alternative is best suited for the awkward shape of the lot and has the potential to maximize the aesthetic benefits at the pedestrian level as well as the surrounding areas. KZC section 55.51005, special regulation five requires a 15 foot type one landscape buffer between private properties. Our site is bordered on three sides by right of way and to the west by Volkswagen. In order to provide usable vehicular circulation, pedestrian access to the CKC, the new park, garage access and a fire lane, the landscape strip that we propose must be slightly modified from the, on the west and east property lines to accommodate these necessary imp improvements. This is the west. We've almost got the landscape buffer um, and then uh, have a little bit less space on the east adjoining the right-of-way. Doing so results in a superior design that fulfills the intent of the design regulation and on the west side allows for the potential of a future connection 
should a development occur, occur that could better match up with the differing grades. We are able to provide substantially more public benefit with this design. The modification will not have any substantial or detrimental effect on nearby properties. In fact, this design presents a much larger buffer than the design guidelines require overall uh, in most cases. The landscape buffer to the north along the CKC has now been incorporated into our design and runs adjacent to the CKC, the majority of the site along the north property line. The KZC outlines guidelines for properties along the trail. All proposed massing options are designed with the CKC guidelines listed in KZC 115.24, in addition to having achieved the design guidelines outlined in KZC 95.45.1. The north property line will feature a 15-foot type 1 landscape buffer with trees planted every 20 feet of at least and at least 70% evergreen tree species. Over 60% of this landscape buffer will be covered with low, medium, and large shrubs in addition to ground cover. And these are just some general examples of what that could look like. Okay, in our previous submittal, the DRB requested the same level of detail in all proposed options as our preferred option. As you can see, we've gone above and beyond to achieve that. Due to the complexity of this site, between the aforementioned grade changes, alternating slopes and adjoining right-of-ways and high groundwater, the diamond-shaped site really only lends itself to a single building. Doing so permits more visible access to the CKC in addition to the outdoor amenities that we propose and allows proper vehicular circulation around the site. A multi-phase or multi-building approach is not financially feasible in the current economic environment either. These three different approaches have been designed with the DRB's initial comments carefully considered. While all options are technically feasible, the preferred option still poses the greatest benefit to the surrounding area, even at a distance due to its tasteful design approach. Option one proposes a 449 unit building up to 70 feet in height with a fully enclosed central court, courtyard, two open courtyards facing Northeast 124th, and an opening to the Northwest facing Totem Village. Notable features of this design include breaking up the facade along Northeast 124th, resulting in the appearance of smaller buildings from the primary frontage. The challenges of this alternative include an oversized lengthy facade along 128th, which is needed to compensate for the loss of units uh, by opening up the Southern facade. These courtyards will also be facing an incredibly busy arter arterial, which introduces acoustic challenges for those units and could negatively impact the usability of those courtyards. Option two proposes a 465 unit building with an interesting double donut in the shape of, a, of the number 90. This option provides separation in the facade by incorporating three open courtyards on all facades but the north facing the CKC. This breaks up most facades, giving pedestrians the feel of a group of small buildings and presenting obvious advantages over option one, in addition to reducing the overall mass of the building to more of a human scale when compared to the previous version. The benefits of option two include open courtyards, additional units, a pedestrian plaza, and improved human scale. This alternative presents significant modulation, more significant modulation than option one, um, as nearly every side has some sort of a breakage in it. Due to the design of this option, a major challenge is the need for a full level of subgrade parking 
which significantly increases the cost, cost and less visual interest from all sides when compared to the preferred option. Furthermore, the courtyards, though open, could limit their usefulness and enjoyment due to their smaller size. Smaller size. The primary corner, while prominent, does not stand out, stand out as an architectural feature as much as the preferred option. Option three, our preferred massing scheme. Integrates most of the, the most effective aspects of the previous options while introducing innovative new features. This design pr proposes private balconies that are partially recessed and appear to be built into the facade on all sides extending up to the sixth floor before stepping back. This creates an interesting varied facade and enhances the human scale of the building. As with the previous alternatives, the primary frontage along 124th features a pedestrian plaza that, that supports retail space running almost the entire length of the structure. Special design and material treatments are applied to both the northwest and southeast corners to increase visual appeal. And the north and south courtyards open up towards the northwest and southwest, offering views of the village and showcasing a tastefully designed architectural feature corner, just here. This is the corner of 128th and 124th. This alternative does not require a full level of subgrade parking like the previous version, and therefore we are able to reduce construction costs and get this closer to becoming a reality. A solar study was requested in our last meeting, which we have well outlined during key times throughout the day for all alternatives. While no options appear to fully shade any adjoining buildings, the preferred option goes a step further due to the orientation of its feature corners, which breaks up the shading impacts over the other two options. You can see that this is the preferred, and there's just a bit less shading than you see in the other two. Ground floor retail. All alternatives will include considerable ground floor retail. Kirkland Zoning Code 55.51.02 requires 20% of the growth floor area of the street level floor area, area along Northeast 124th to include commercial use. Our ground floor street level ends at the orange line along with the wall on the opposite side of the retail and guest parking area indicated in purple. The area in blue represents the approximately 13,444 square feet of retail provided, which is about 43% of the street level growth floor area. The frontage along Northeast 124th is comprised of 80.29% retail and benefits from a sizable pedestrian plaza. Let's skip over this one. You saw this image earlier, but this is an image of option three, our preferred alternative, and provides a visual example of our proposed pedestrian plaza and what is and, and what the commercial shopping and dining experience could look like. When we bring the site back up to grade, as you can see, the pedestrians will have the option to use the sidewalk or the pedestrian plaza which provides weather protection and access to the coffee shops, restaurants, shopping, and other new experiences that we envision here. Access to the site will be the same throughout all studies due to the constraints of the topography, nearby intersections, and the best design option for circulation, including minimizing the building's impact on traffic by providing two options for access to either of the two garage entrances. So this is virtually where the entrances are now and our residents will be and retail patrons will be able to access from either side so you don't have everybody going out one side and bogging up traffic. 
The primary access to the site is located in roughly the same location as the existing buildings access off Northeast 124th. And this area would be used by residents with homes in the southern portion of the building. Guests and patrons of the future retail uh, accessing the garage for parking. The secondary entrance would most likely be utilized by residents with homes on the north half of the building, delivery to the second mail room lobby and access to the lower garage. Either entry to the site provides quick access to the CKC and our other amenities. This is a pedestrian oriented perspective of our feature, or excuse me, our preferred option, option three, uh, compared to the existing site. And while all alternatives have some, some form of feature corner, our preferred option takes this to another level. As shown here, the existing site is approximately eight to 10 feet below the right of way, offering no pedestrian interaction at all. Our proposed, our proposed plans change that by bringing the ground floor up to the pedestrian level, creating a much wider sidewalk and a more pleasant pedestrian experience. Our preferred alternative incorporates a large public amenity space into this corner, further opening up the space for use while improving the vehicular line of sight when turning on to 124th. This is an example of our primary entry to the site off of Northeast 124th and the pedestrian access between the commercial plaza and the retail parking garage. We would go in here, parking garage is back here, pedestrians have access to the plaza and retail up this way. As proposed, the west side of our property will feature a landscape buffer between the Volkswagen site and our property flanked with new healthy trees, the full length of the property line. To the east of the drive aisle, residents with, with apartments on the southern half of the, of the building will have access to the upper parking garage. The ground floor will feature parking for retail and restaurant customers, as well as residential guests. Patrons of these spaces will enjoy structured parking and pedestrian access via a sidewalk running from the garage to the right of way. That's here. Our proposed Eastern property line will now feature a sidewalk, landscaping on either side, street trees, publicly accessible green slash open space, and pedestrians will be able to better interact with the site. The sidewalk is wide enough to be shared by bicyclists and pedestrians. And this will also act as pedestrian access to the CKC on the east side. The existing condition has no sidewalk and does not interact with the site, other sites in any way. This is the existing site the proposed, obviously. Okay. Our reimagined CKC frontage to the north will include two access points, one on each end of the property. The entire frontage will be landscaped, including many new evergreen trees. The public will now enjoy places to lock up bicycles, a fitness park, and many other ways to interact with the site. There will be a safe means of walking to the new coffee shops, restaurants, and or shopping from the CKC directly through the site. In conclusion, we recognize how challenging it can be to realize a vision for this site from simple massings. However, there's much more exterior design to be done. This image represents a more refined overview of our preferred massing, roughly displaying the goals for color, materials, uh, and brightening the section of TL7A zoning in Totem Lake. Thank you very much for your time. We look forward to expanding our commitment and contribution to the Kirkland community. We welcome any questions that you may have. Thank you very much, uh, Sean, for the presentation.
So not, now it will be, um, now it's time for the board uh, to make questions to the applicant regarding this project. Um, board members who would like to start. Randall, would you like to start? Oh. Sure. Uh, uh, as you go around the elevations and we look at the setback of the building, you've got, uh, I mean, this kind of gets into massing, but it gets into a few minor details. And there's my question, my previous question is to, you've got several bal balconies that are extending out and there may be eight to 10 or 12 on each side. Do any of those extend beyond your setback, the prescribed zoning setback? No. No, I don't, I don't believe any of the, the balconies extend over the, the right-of-way at all. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not, not really saying the right-of-way, I'm saying your setback. Setback requirements, and I guess that'd be a question. Into the, the landscape buffer? Yeah, it'd be well. The, the front face of the building has a setback that you're coming off of your property line, and and do any of these balconies extend into that setback? I do not believe so. No. Okay, that that'd be just something that you know, Jennifer, you may want to take a look at, uh, and that just to to validate because we've had discussions on other projects with that that particular aspect. Uh, as you as you go between the uh, the west side of the property with the Volkswagen dealer, there's a there's a fairly strong group of uh, evergreen trees along that property line. Are those on your property, or are they joint between the two properties, or or where do those lie? The, those are are on our property, and we do have an arborist report um, that reflected they're unhealthy. Okay. And, I believe that's been submitted to the city. If not, that would be submitted with our, our uh, response to you guys. Yeah, as, as I was looking at the landscape plan and that type of thing you were showing, appears to be showing all brand new landscaping along there. And I just wasn't sure what, what was happening with those trees or if those were on your property or which side, which side those were. Uh, and that uh, as far as the three schemes, when we look at the scale and the massing, uh, I think alternate, I mean, uh, alternative three is probably, is, is really a, uh, I think the utilization on the site and how it breaks up the site and, and towards the front of the project, especially because it really on the backside, it's more along 124th, 128th in there that that, that deals with it. And then back on the uh, CKC, uh, not so much, but uh, I I like your I like your approach the way that you've put a signature on the corner, uh, the southeast corner of the building, uh, and way it squares up with the with the street and that type of thing. Uh, the retail, as I as I was looking at that, is a is a is the floor level floor elevation of the retail along that along the main frontage there, does it set somewhat below the elevation of the street or is it set pretty much right at the elevation of the street? So in, in order to create um, retail that you can just walk up to, we had to build out that plaza, the, the 
pedestrian plaza will have direct um, level access at the same elevation to the east side of the plaza. And then there's going to be stair access. Um, I think it goes from two stairs to three stairs to uh, four stairs at the very end of that plaza. Um, and that way, when you're up there, you can utilize that space for eating and shopping and um, all of the fun things that we want people to do at this building, um, as opposed to having retail at different elevations uh, throughout the, the right of way. Oh, good. No, that's uh, as kind of how I was reading it, but there's a little bit of, uh, but I mean, it's a long enough frontage that keeping it to all one level is kind of tough to begin with anyway, so. Very much uh, so. Uh, I, there's enough there's enough elevation changes. It isn't enough to start stepping the building and that type of thing, but yet it is it is enough that it's it really sets, you know, it can be a little difficult to work with and you can see that happening with the building. Uh, I think I think at this point in time that's that's pretty my pretty much all my questions for the applicant because we'll get into materials and finishes and that type of thing in the design response uh, meeting and that, but uh, the particular option or alternative that you've you've presented here and in the way that we've looked at the other two, uh, I would, you know, I, I look at it that the number 33 is, is probably a very viable option. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, Randall. So, Brian, would you like to be next? Yes, thank you, Carlos. My apologies, my camera is not working. Um, my question was, I was looking at option three and talk. you just talked about the articulation of the facade on that uh, southeast corner and I couldn't see in any of the views, the articulation at the pedestrian level. It seemed like it was just um, uh, just either a storefront system at that corner. And what does the plaza do at that very corner? At the corner? Yeah. So the plaza does not continue onto the corner. Those are just storefront windows that would uh, lead into our lobby if you're talking about the corner on 128th and 124th yes um so that would not be that would not be part of the plaza and it actually i'm, I'm using my cursor to show myself and you guys can't even see this um <laughs> there is on the on the corner that the grade still goes down so we had to actually include these uh these core 10 planners that are going to fill that space and kind of step down uh, to meet the right-of-way going down 128th. So there's really no way uh, for that corner to uh, have any additional room from what we've put there uh, as it is. Um, we have then uh, met the elevation of the right-of-way on the other side of the corner and created some open space there. But the retail would be essentially from that first block of windows where you see the entry to our lobby all the way to the end of the building uh, and there would be a plaza on that side. Yeah, I'm trying to understand that grade there because I, I see the articulation at the upper levels but not so much at the, at the grade where a person is walking and if there's no plaza 
I'm wondering how you're going to emphasize that corner at the at a person who's walking or is riding his bike or her bike to the to the trail. And you're speaking of our of the corner, the featured corner there. One twenty fourth and one twenty eighth. Um, I'm just looking at the massing studies. I'll uh, let me share this real quick here. Okay, can you see this image? Yeah, I was trying Does to that get make a little bit more sense. Yeah, so... I was trying to get a little bit more detail on what's happening there, and maybe that can be provided in the design response conference. But it was, you know, you can see the articulation of the upper levels, and it's nicely done. And I was wondering what was at that corner for a person who's walking along to identify that corner somehow. Um, I mean, I, I would, we'll provide additional imagery for sure um, at the pedestrian level as well. But um, I mean, there is a substantial opportunity for pedestrians to uh, engage with this corner. But, you know, we've got to keep in mind that this goes below grade here. Yeah, so we've had yeah. to, we've had, we've raised the site the best that we can. Um, but, you know, we, we are, are stuck within these constraints of right of ways, you know, with different elevations at every corner. So there is no access directly to the building from this area, you've got to go around, um, or you'd go to the front and there's, you know, additional ways for people to engage with the building on that side. And I, I get that. Uh, I wasn't talking more about engagement. I was just talking more about making that corner interesting, whether it is through landscape or some facade treatment uh, to be sort of, um, you know, because we're saying this is an important corner for someone to give um, a visual cue to going towards the CKC, because that's one of the connections that you're talked about, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that as we move to the next stage, you'll be able to get a better idea of that. And we'll, you know, we'll take that in, into consideration and see if we can emphasize it a little bit more. But these, I mean, there is substantial landscaping to uh, identify this as a special corner. And you may not be able to see that. We may not be able to see that uh, in this particular image. If I could jump in there just a little bit, Sean. Uh, yeah. I think we were trying to emphasize that corner um, just based off of the comments that we received last time. If you'll notice the facade on the, the remaining residential portion is actually pulled down to the uh, level, just one level above grade. Whereas we tried to raise that and you can kind of see the fine detail as it goes up two levels. So you have uh, some amenity space above the lobby and so in, in my mind, I think we gave a, a lot of consideration for articulation on that corner, uh, differentiating it from the, the rest of the residential portion. Yeah, I was talking more about um, at the pedestrian level. I can see you've given, you've broken the levels up so that it is to a pedestrian scale. But because of the grade change at that corner, I was trying to understand what someone coming from 124th would see at that very corner, not up above, but 
at eye level when they're trying to turn that corner sure. and what would be what would be interesting whether that is through a landscape feature there you go yeah, I I was that, yeah the plan shot gives you a little bit better of a yeah so again you can tell the amount of landscaping that we gave to that corner to really try to emphasize people either going to uh the ckc or coming from um and obviously this is our uh, first take uh, of the renderings, but as we work through the, the final stages uh, of the landscape plan and connections, um, we can give you additional detail. Okay, yeah, that was my question. And then the second one I had was, if you can keep this image, is about the um, plaza that you had just north of that. And maybe in the design response conference, you can talk about how that space is going to be detailed. Um, I was I was talking about the plaza on the on 128th, just off that corner that we were looking at. Okay. Yeah. Here. Yeah, and is that is that also sloped? Is there a grade gradation here as well? There Where is. If you're going towards the building, is it going up? Is there like a ramp or? There is a, there is access, pedestrian access or residential access, I should say, uh, through a door here. And you can't see it that well here, but we, we will provide additional imagery as we move through this process. But there is a grade change. It, it slopes down this way and it slopes down this way. It slopes down this way. Um, but we'll be able to provide additional detail there so that you can get a, a, a great idea of what our intent is. Okay, thank you. That's all I had, Carlos. Thank you. Thank you very much, Supraya. Um, Tyler, would you like to be next? Yeah, thank you, Carlos. So um, funny thing, um, I'm actually gonna challenge the preferred um, which I never normally do. I usually go for what is preferred. So I actually like the layout for option two um, compared to uh, option three. And the reason is behind that is because that you with the details that you've added in option three could be applied to here, maybe some shifts of things. And that also is going to lead to a couple of questions I have about if you're able to maybe change how the retail is structured. I think it gives a little bit more of an open feeling or it could lead to more of an open inviting uh, aspect to pedestrians, retail and residents. Um, you know, we were talking about how Totem Lake Village is, we're, we're sort of compare, comparing in certain aspects, that aspect of it. So I worked with Compass Realty who has an office there. And when we they were asking or when we, they were researching on where they wanted to put their location, why they prefer that area is because they like the combination of residential community and retail all together. They had that open space and it was very conceptual um, from the freeway point of view and also from the main drive going right there. So a couple questions. If you were to take option two, right? And you see where the, the 90, uh, if you're looking at the 90 building, and there is a spot where it's where the building is curved and then there is supposed to be retail if you were able to cut that out and push that back is that an actual possibility 
where you can make it more sunken in so that it's more open to the general public from that side? We, we're, we're dealing with the elevation changes at that grade or at that corner. I don't think it would be so would it make any the, the, the further The further we set that back, the more challenging it gets. I mean, that's why the existing de development just abandoned that approach altogether. And then, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that while this is feasible, it does require significantly more parking and uh, may not be financially feasible uh, if we have to go subgrade because that's going to require some significant waterproofing and bathtubbing um, due to the groundwater. Okay. And at least not at least not today. Okay. Okay. So that makes that makes more sense there. Tyler, just to jump in and give you some more information on that. I mean, as we've been putting this together, we've been getting, um, you know, additional groundwater testing, which is, you know, consistent, you know, on a, on a month and quarterly basis. We were figuring that as we get into the drier seasons, that that groundwater would, in fact, decrease. And it's staying pretty, um, pretty consistent at about three to four feet below, below surface. So um, just give you some more information. Got it. So then, okay, so we'll go with option three or preferred three. Last question behind that, is there a way for 124, because it looks like it's just one big standard uh, building wall right there besides where that corner is, where Supriya was talking. Is there a way to kind of push that back or break that up just a little bit to give more of a sort of breakup feel? So that if you were to come from 124th, it looks like it's, a combination of retail and community that you know you can go into there's more of like a um what's the best word to describe kind of like how it is with with village where you walk in and you have that whole area where it's retail and there's a little community part that's there is there any way that you could break that up just just on that side of the building on 124 that's uh, that is not retail right there again that's just the windows to our lobby um and then where it, these may not be the best examples of how far that is pushed back, but there is a pedestrian plaza that is similar to that. And the best that we could do um, while trying to create a level uh, area to actually access that commercial space. You know, they, the fortunate thing for the village is you've got a nice flat space and you can just walk into the, the building. We've got to create ADA accessible, um, financially feasible and good looking access to the building um, and it is it is set back. I think that we could provide additional imagery that might help you see that a little bit better. Can you, do you have that? I, we, I, we'd have to we'd have to either prepare it or render it. Okay, that's fair. but we can we can definitely put emphasis on that as part of the response and then you know try and and get a little bit more space there somehow. Yeah. And again, like you said, it could just be a conceptual thing just based off of the images that we see. But it, it is, you know, from when I'm looking at it from the air view, and then if I was thinking of going that way, it just seems like one large area of building. And if there was a way to make it a little bit more, you know, sunken in, a little seemed a little bit more broken up, that could be a possibility. But if again, like you said, it's an image thing, then happy to take a look at that. But those are those are just my 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 final comments that I have. Those are good comments. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Tyler. Um, now it will be my turn. Um, hi, Sean. Um, hi, pleasure to see you again. Um, so um, regarding uh, massing options, I know that this was a discussion last time and uh, I'm glad to see that you guys uh, came back with um, new options. Uh, so the design guidelines, um, 
and this is uh, in the document, page 30, 31, they talk about vertical and horizontal modulation, um, specifically uh, horizontal modulation encouraging intervals of no more than seven feet for non-residential uses. Uh, I see that um, the three options have uh, dimensions um, basically showing the modulation. Some of them exceed uh, the 70 feet. Um, could you just walk me really quick through the three options, uh, even from a render view perspective, and let me know, uh, let board know what's the intent behind uh, this type of modulation? I'm nice, my muted here. Are you, you referring to all options? Well, uh, yeah, I guess that um, the three options that um, you guys are presenting today need to comply with the design guidelines. So yes. So where is it over seventy feet? Uh, well, if you go to uh, the package, um, and we can go for option by option, page uh, thirty-seven uh, um, that we received from the city, uh, there are a few dimensions. One is showing ninety-four feet. Um, then, as you keep um, going to the next page. Um, I think that all of the others are fine. But then when you go to the West Elevation on page 39, there's another 101 dimension. So I'm just trying to um, have an understanding on what's the um, design intent behind uh, just the modulation, at least for option one. I guess that we can go with option two, which has, um, I, I think option two has more breaks. Uh, but option three, um, Again, it has some uh, model, horizontal modulation that uh, exceeds the um, design guidelines. So sure. I guess that if, if you if could we, go through to that. If we, if we were to go with option one, I mean, there's there's ways that we could introduce the same modulation there. Um, I mean, speaking personally, I think that in some cases, when you have material changes that large blocking can look a little bit more modern um, and a little more clean as opposed to having, you know, towers of different colors, mm -hmm. um, you know, every 30 feet. So, you know, that could certainly be done. Um, option one is, is a challenging one. Um, you know, our goal was to try to provide the um, courtyard opening spacing 124th in that model, but also come up with something that's, that's, that can pencil and, um, you know, doing so resulted in some larger, longer uh, facades that, you know, we, we could break up a little bit more. I think that on our preferred, it's a bit more refined um, and we shouldn't have exceeded the, the guidelines at all in that area. But in those larger areas, uh, there is intended to be material changes as well. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, one, one of my concerns is just on, um, I guess, the 128. Um, option three um, has the break at the uh, front or the intersection piece, but then it's a really long facade, which kind of like resembles in some instance, um, option one. So just wondering if that was um, driven by just the fact that you guys have that um, intersection uh, massing or something else. Okay. Um, second question is uh, regarding um, site plan. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are requesting a modification uh, for the buffer on the west and the east property, right? Yes. 
And uh, so whenever we receive the packet, um, it seems that uh, there are different massing options, but the site or, or the site plan is the same. So could you walk me through in a specific option to what are the benefits or the superior design uh, on why this should be um, granted? From a site plan perspective? Yes. Uh, and why and why the modification should be yes. uh, approved. Um, we went back to the drawing board and did our best to provide the uh, the landscape buffer. I mean, we've got we have to utilize the space, you know, the most efficient way that we can. Um, on the east side, that's a little bit more self-explanatory, just due to the grade change. Um, we have to pick one way or the other in order to have site circulation. So by moving the building a little bit closer to the sidewalk on the east, um, we gain a bit more room on the west, but there's not enough space for us to provide a buffer and get closer to that site. So in doing so and creating that drive aisle on the west side. You can show your screen if you want. Okay. I know, I just sit here and point at stuff on my <laughs> own screen. <laughs> I know, it's so, sometimes it's challenging, so I guess that it helps just uh, showing you. I've shown you guys so much. <laughs> okay. Can you see that? Uh, yes, I can see it. Okay, so this is the west and the east side. Um, the shape is very challenging of this site. You know, our goal is to provide pedestrian connections to the CKC, first and foremost, circulation and access for the retail customers uh, to be able to access the shopping and dining safely. That needs to be done via a sidewalk this way so that they can access the garage. We also want to give our residents two different options to access the site. If they had one option, you have to imagine that you've got, I don't know, seven, 800 people coming out one exit onto 124th. This way it breaks that up and it gives people different options to, to you know, leave and enter the site uh, throughout the day in multiple different, different areas, regardless of which parking garage they need to go through. So getting onto our site and being able to access those garages is, uh, is paramount um, in reducing any sort of congestion. Uh, having this circulation provides a fire lane for fire trucks all the way around the building so that we've got a nice safe access for the fire department um, in every corner of the building. There's also fire hydrants throughout the site. It also provides pedestrian connections to the fitness park back here. So you'd be able to walk all the way through the site safely through a nice landscaped uh, pedestrian pathway to the park and then access the CKC here or access the CKC back over here. Um, again, it's a, it's, it's a diamond shaped lot and we're trying to build a diamond shaped building um, which doesn't lend itself to you know the most efficient construction but we've nearly achieved what you're asking for uh, in a landscape buffer on the west and i would say that if if we were to take into consideration all of the landscaping provided on the west that it far exceeds the 15-foot landscape buffer so um let me just uh see if i understood so the uh fire lane it is a requirement, right? It's not an yeah. amenity. The fire lane is not an amenity, no. Okay. Second thing. Uh, so the buffer is a requirement again. What would 
be the difference by pushing the building more to the east and the west on each side, depending on where you are, to just provide the, the, the buffer that is required? We, we would have to, to look into that. Um, I believe we were trying to get the best of both worlds or the, or the most that we could in this, this design. We may be able to push it a little bit further to the east, but we have uh, elevation change here as well, which starts to eat into the, the building and the lobby. So there's, it's tough to meet all of the elevation changes um, and have the building meet the right of way and provide circulation um, and you know create and design a building that's financially feasible that we can actually get built. Um, we, we can try um, with the preferred option to get a little bit closer, but um, I think that this provides a better design and, and aesthetically a much nicer um, access on both sides, you know, down 128th where there's currently no sidewalk um, and then, you know, throughout our site. So, but, but these two buffers are required. And uh, typically the, with the DRB, based on my experience, we've granted projects uh, variations or modifications, depending on what they give back to the property. From what I've been hearing, uh, the fire lane is a requirement uh, from the fire department that you need to comply with. Uh, now pushing the building more to the east and west seems that it's just trying to take more advantage of the site. But what what is it really or truly giving back that is not something that is required by the code? For instance, we've seen um, other uh, applicants, other projects where they give a public space at the front where we they have main streets. Um, that we're, part we're, at we're, the back, was that a requirement or? No, no, this is, we're, we are providing a, very large fitness park along the CKC. It's gonna have a trail throughout. Um, it'll have places for people to sit and eat. It will have um, a sprint track and, and fitness areas. All of this is publicly accessible. Could so you mark is... the, the area that it was required uh, for that portion? I know that uh, there's part of a wetland area or this, something you need to preserve. This right, this right here is our critical area as indicated by that dashed line. Okay. So all of the rest of this is all a fitness park. There's going to be bike lockers there. You know, we uh, may have water fountains. I mean, it's this is this is not required. This is amenity to the community. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, I know that's one thing that we had discussed before too, but uh, that you want a minimum dimension. But if we were to take the entire uh, landscaping in green space on the west side of that street, we would be well over, um, <clears throat> well over that that minimum landscape requirement. So I think as part of the the consideration is we are adding public benefit directly to the CKC that isn't required that greatly exceeds that minimum requirement that should be taken into consideration as part of our our modification request. And then this. Uh, you know, overhead on, on the southeast corner at 124th and 128th also doesn't really reflect that uh, landscaping pedestrian area on, on the corner. Uh, that, again, is not required by the city, but trying to emphasize uh, that corner for both our pedestrian uh, orientation, 
the community and getting people as a waypoint uh, off of that corner to 128th, I, I think is uh, something to be considered as well. And how does that relate to option two? Because right now I'm just seeing option three, which basically the applicant is trying to push us to select, but other option one and option two seem that they then do not have a real reason to just even grant that. So the layout that we are being shown wouldn't even meet that or, or those um, that's, that's concepts that you guys are stating. That's not correct. The, the public benefit is still there for all options. Um, the need for the um, modification is, is needed for all options. And we're not pushing the, the DRB in any direction. We are requesting that you strongly consider our preferred option. That's the option that we know that we can actually build um, under the current economic conditions and that we feel best benefits the community. Um, but well, I think is... part, of, part of that too is, I mean, there's, there's code you know, within the city to allow for modulation from what's required. That's why it's in there, you know, in order to have some understanding of building something that doesn't just fit perfectly as a piece of puzzle, right? That th this is a jigsaw puzzle that we're trying to solve for everything. And there's specific requirements that we are hitting. And there's a couple of things that we're requesting, you know, some consideration in order to, to make a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful development. You know, for consideration of uh, modification. And that's what we're asking. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just uh, questioning the design and what it's being presented just to understand the three options as we're discussing right now, the massing and how it relates to the site. So thank you for the clarification, David. Um, so if we go to option three um, and uh, Sean, can, would you be um, uh, kind enough to share your screen, uh, the presentation? Um, option three, I think that there's... Carlos? Yeah, you can go to page 68 uh, of your presentation or oh, page 57. Of the of, initial submission? Uh, of the submission that uh, yeah. you're presenting today. I just have to pull that up here. It's alternate, alternative three landscape plan. I think it's page 66 in your presentation, or at least the one that we received. My, my presentation was reduced uh, in order to simplify the presentation today, but the submittal is, is a separate document. So I just have to open that. I have a joke you me to open it. What, what page, 57? Uh, the one that is uh, showing um, is the option three, where you can see the site plan. I believe it's 67, Sean. Okay. Carlos, can I ask just one quick question and very quickly? Um, what sure. were the, the, the concerns behind option one as far as building? My concerns? No, 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 no. Um, Sean and, and David's the concern behind uh, option one, or the, or the troubles, the challenges that they were being faced for option one design. There, there is a few different options or 
challenges. I mean, one was the uh, subgrade parking that we were going to need. And then there's, uh, at least in my opinion, a concern with having those uh, courtyards facing 124th, considering how busy it is uh, acoustically, that's going to kind of echo chamber all the sounds off of that, that road directly into those small courtyards. Um, you've got a longer facade on 128th, so it's not broken up quite as much um, as the other two options. And while it still meets the code generally, um, or the guidelines generally, it, it, in, in our opinion, doesn't look quite as good as the other two options, um, you know, in a finished product. Thank you. Carlos, is this what you wanted to see? Um, could you go to a site plan view of option three? Awesome. Yeah, that one. That's that's good. So I, I um, okay. So could you zoom in on the southeast portion of the building where the green uh, landscape area is? Yes, that that one. All right. So I'm trying to understand just the um, massing volumes here. So it seems that you ha guys have um, basically a cut of the building uh, providing that um, green area. And then as you keep going north on 128, uh, the building appears to go, um, go straight and then it uh, goes into the building and then it um, there's an basically um, an extrusion of that. So I'm guessing that's kind of like a ma an main entry area. Now, if you go to the renderings uh, or, or kind of like a perspective view of that option, um, I think it's page 68 in your presentation. Or at least the one that we received. No, you went uh, way uh, far. It's uh, the one that is showing the full building option three as a perspective, the rendering. I'm just trying to understand the plan versus the footprint because it seems that there are balconies in that area and then it uh, basically is pushed back and then goes again, there's an extrusion. The, so the volume the, has some sort of modulation, right? Yeah. It so does. The, the, site, the site plan is going to reflect the garage level, not okay. the residential level. Because that's yeah, the level I'm not concerned about that because uh, the residential level seems to be, uh, seems to offset from the building footprint a uh, few feet, I'm guessing, or mm -hmm. probably inches. Uh, but whenever we look at the site plan, um, and unfortunately, I cannot even read it in the um, digital version, but the dimension that is measured from the edge of the building footprint to the property line is very, it's very short. So I'm concerned about those upper residential areas being extruded into the property line, as it seems that it they, might be in conflict. They, they would they would not extend over the property line. They would, yeah, I know they would not. But uh, the, the 
the information is showing something else, at least in, the information that we received. I'm guessing that this is also based on um, Randall's concern about balconies, because there's one page that is talking about building sections. It has some dimensions. I scaled that. It seems that the balcony, balconies are even four feet approximately, or at least in the information that we, re, we received. So are you guys going to request a modification to the <laughs> encroachment or something like that? Or, or how does that relate? Or is the plan to just push it even way further back? Because if you push it back, then uh, you'll get more um, landscape buffer for those areas. We wouldn't we wouldn't be able to push it back, but I think that we can we can more clearly articulate those dimensions for you um, in our response um, and make sure that we're including um, you know an overlay of the property landscape buffer and the residential areas as well. Maybe from a roof plan even that can, that can help you um, clearly understand that we're not uh, that we're not encroaching. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, those are all my questions. Thanks, Carl. Um, so now we'll proceed. Um, I guess that um, John or Jennifer, let me know if there's uh, anyone in the audience um, who would like to make some con comments or questions to the applicant about this project. Yeah, there's no one in, uh, in the audience, Carlos. All right, I guess that now we'll uh, just uh, jump into deliberation. Um, so, at this moment, it's time for the DRB to deliberate about this project. Um, board members um, who like to start. Uh, just a reminder that um, tonight we are uh, reviewing the massing uh, in specific these three options uh, to provide um, guidance to the applicant for their conceptual design, uh, for their design response conference. Randall, would you like to start? Sure. Uh, I mean, Carlos, and some of your questions with the applicant are some of the things that I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to understand is the potential of modification requests and what those might be. And those aren't necessarily uh, outlined here tonight. Uh, I mean, diagrammatically, there's several areas that show this, that on the west side, there's a required landscape buffer, and then the proposed landscape buffer is, is narrower. It, it meets it in part of the, the length of the site, but then in another part of it, it doesn't. Now, what appears to be happening here, and this is... Uh, is that they're taking the massing of the building and they're moving it around on the site. And so if they push it, if they need to get greater buffer, need to meet the requirements of the west side of the site, then the east side of the site becomes lacking. We all of a sudden we're missing there. And this is where, you know, the question comes up of we've got balconies that are uh, penetrating or extending out from the face of the building, which I assume the face of the building is, is, is in line with the, with the setback limits of the building itself. 
and that balcony extending out would be then another request for a modification. And traditionally, we have not, you know, the way that that is outlined in the in the code or in the guidelines is that if for some reason the because of the site or of some issue that they cannot get that to happen uh, within the design of the building, that we would look at that, look at a balcony that extending out, but we have not traditionally accepted that. And so I just want to say to the applicant that if that's what you're pushing, you know, that doesn't mean that you can't push the balcony into the building instead of having something protruding from the building, it may be setting back into the building. Now, that doesn't work with your economics or your square footage or whatever that may be, but that's not our issue. That's that's an issue that's with the setback requirements of the property and, and the city code. And so I just I just see the building staying in a very rigid form and moving one way or the other way and then asking for modifications on either side. And the way the code or my understanding of the code is written is if the building cannot be modified to meet the city standards because of some unreasonable situation and and I just I don't think that you know economics have been brought brought up quite often. And yes, I deal in development, and I understand that. But basis of the city code design doesn't doesn't look at it that if each of your units are six inches narrower, okay, yes, that does take square footage out of the out of the plan. It takes you know if you're if you're sitting there running at a per square foot cost or rental rate or something of that sort, then yeah, it plays with your performance. But that type of thing, that kind of issue, when all of a sudden now we're, we're starting to talk about a lot of modification requests, and they may be moderate, my, minor modification requests, but when we start looking at both sides of the building and a variety of other things, that's a lot more than what, you know, the, the years that I've sat on the design review board what, that we have allowed. We've looked at this and said, you know, on the west side of the building, at protruding, uh, you know, the just across the street at the old AT&T site, uh, and that we had a situation where the, the tower portion or the high-rise portion or the four floors, five floors above the building were set back about 20 feet over the top of the retail. Well, that was protruding really into their their section of the building or into that, not into the building setback line from the property line. And so that was approved, but when we went to the south side of that building, we had balconies that were extending out essentially out over the sidewalk and over the building setback line, and of which we didn't approve. And so uh, I just want to make this statement that the applicant needs to look at this, and it just feels like we're moving we're moving the building around like an amoeba. And yes, it pushes on one side and the balloon pops out on the other side. And that's not what we're looking for. There's got to be some sort of design compromise in there that pushes that around. And and I, you know, I fully understand your economics and the number of units you need to have and this type of thing, but that's where 
you know, uh, we've got to look at that and say, okay, is that, I generally there's, there's not prescriptive type language in the code that talks about economics of a project. We talk about the design of a project and the envelope of the project and the massing of a project and the economics for the, for the owner or the developer fits within that envelope. And then it's yes or no. And, and then we start pushing, you know, and so the modifications, you know, modifications on the west side seem because you've got a wide expanse there for building setback and you've got the fire lane and that type of thing that tends to work for modifications on the east side. I see that as, as pretty rigid. There's a building setback, prescribed code building setback line and buffer and all of that. And now we're pushing into that nice. And I, I think what we're going to see or it would see is a request for a modification there. And, and I just don't, know if uh, I don't I mean that's something that the board has to look at and vote on and that type of thing but uh, my experience with the board is that we've traditionally not not accepted that because the building could be narrower that's that's always an option I mean there's an option of extending the building out making it narrower and that type of thing but then that what happens on the interior of the building is not the design review boards issue per se. Uh, the the option that I, I I mean I the my preferred option would be option three. Uh, and the signature corner, uh, it'll be it'll be good to see a, a more detailed design of how that corner comes together and that because I think I think it'd be very nice. And as you work around the building, the modulation, you know, just look at that as to how that comes together and you know, the distances and that there's a couple of distances that they just need to take a look at, but then how it approaches and deals with the CKC. Uh, I think they've done a great, great uh, job there is bringing that in and then providing the amenities and, and the wetlands and, and that type of thing off to the side and, and that, and I, I feel at this point in time that the, amenity of the uh, the amenity, amenity there off of the uh, CKC and that is a negotiation tool. And I'm not sure if we're in the, in the position of negotiating that type of thing for something else when, you know, when we really look at other developments and that, that they don't, you know, uh, we're, we're pretty rigid on how do we, you know, how we move forward on that. And so uh, I just, to me, I'm just saying to the board, I'm just kind of alerting the applicant staff, this type of thing as to what we have done in the past. Uh, now, that doesn't mean it's subject to change or subject to, you know, presentation and, and that type of thing as to how that would go together. Uh, the, the color, the, I mean, again, just the usual standard, you know, recommendation for things is to to really give us the three-dimensional look coming around the building, being able to bring the modeling in so that we can take a look at that. Uh, the pedestrian along 124th, that strip, when you take other projects that are in basically in the Totem Lake area 
uh, and that how we take a look at how that works along 124th and getting in and out of the retail and how the pedestrian public-private uh, works, uh, we'll want to be able to take a good look at that at that ground level uh, going around there uh, and that type of thing. But I think all in all the project, uh, I, you know, my recommendation would be number three, uh, option number three, and then just working out the details to fit with within code and, and then the pedestrian design around it. And then how that how it but it does they do a great job uh, working with the CKC. I uh, appreciate that. And Randall, uh, I guess that, uh, thank you, Randall. I, I just wanted to follow up with you on um, basically the building footprint. Uh, at this point, we are reviewing the project for massing, um, just basically the, a rough volume. We are not even looking at. Uh, balconies at this stage, although uh, it's nice when the applicants uh, kind of like plan for that, because in the future, we don't have to struggle um, giving them uh, recommendations on how to um, how to comply with the design guidelines on those areas. Uh, what, what I'm seeing right now, and uh, I tried to kind of like to look for a plan that had all the information, but uh, it's it's really uh, for me, the option one and option two were really big on where the building is uh, being allocated at in reference to the property lines. I know that they have shown uh, um, site plans, but even the, the dimensions that are on the site plans are blurry. So we cannot verify that. And these are kind of like some of the things that we look at whenever we uh, look at it at a conceptual level. We make sure that uh, the building uh, footprint is set where it is uh, required, and uh, that it works um, works basically with the site and with the design guidelines. Uh, but if we don't even know exactly where the uh, building massing is being located at, I, I feel that we are incurring into um, issues by providing feedback to the applicant when we don't really know exactly if it's gonna work. And yes, the applicant might uh, adjust it in the next meetings, but still, if we let them know, okay, you guys can proceed with this option and we are not even sure that's gonna be met in the next meeting. Uh, and uh, I've heard it before, they can say, well, you guys uh, told us this is the massing that you liked and uh, this is what we are, what, what we get basically for uh, not being uh, very clear on what is required and what it's allowed. And this, this type of request where they are requesting a modification to the uh, landscape buffers uh, just uh, makes me nervous in terms of, okay, uh, there might be some benefit, but I don't see it really well at this point. I, I believe that if they want to reduce the landscape buffer on one side, they should extend it on the other, uh, basically to enhance uh, one um, walking surface, one pedestrian area. And we've seen it in the past where um, applicants come and they say, okay, we are proposing this, but we are giving back this space. And it might not even be um, at some areas where it's not really used 
fully by pedestrians, but they try to um, improve the use of that and they provide uh, public plazas on main streets. So if they are having here um, commercial um, or retail space area, I would be more inclined to basically open up those areas and provide the green plaza or the landscape plaza at the front on Northeast 124 rather than on 128. I mean, I'm just trying to understand what, 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 what are they trying to request and what they are trying to do here. Um, but I don't fully see it. And I, I, I it, it is vague uh, in for option one and two. It is more clear for option three because uh, that's their preferred. But again, we are here to review the massing and not just only one that works and the other ones that can be discarded. So that that's uh, uh, Car some of my thoughts. Uh, yeah, Car Carlos on that. Yeah, we're here to review the massing and we can review the massing, but I don't want to mislead the applicant that like you were saying that yes, this is the massing, we accept that, and then they go away and they come back. But when you go to pages 30 and 31, uh, on the on the middle where they show the required landscape buffer east, and then they show proposed landscape buffer east, how it's modified. And and then that's on 31. And then on 30, you've got the same thing. You've got the required in the proposed landscape buffer west. Now that's a submittal today. And if we if we say yes, the preferred massing is is option three, does that imply that we're moving towards acceptance of these modifications? Or do they they the applicant still needs to address these modifications in the next submittal? Is my is my feeling is that because there is going to be a request because you just have to look at it and say what they what's pro, what's required and what's proposed are two different things, right? And so in order to do that, they need to provide or ask for a modification, and yet we're approving, but I just want them to understand that in order to get both of the proposed landscape buffers to work, it means they may have to cut in. 12 feet out of the building, which then may not, you know, may not, uh, for, on their part, they may have to rethink their economics of it, but the code is what we're trying to uphold here and, and to look at. Right. And so we need to make sure that they aren't spinning their wheels doing something they shouldn't be doing, but then coming back and looking at what it is that we're, that we can right. look at. So Brian, would you like to? Yeah, I I agree with what you're discussing here, Carlos. I think having to amend the buffers on both sides, on the east and the west, um, I think there's there's a way to do that, right? Um, and you're right. I'm not seeing. Um, a superior design in those shorter buffers that we could look at, at least not not seeing it on the option three that I'm looking at. Um, you know, because you're right, if the buffers are not met, 
and there's there's a need for the building to change, it could affect the modulation and the massing. Right, and typically whenever we do the design, uh, the conceptual design conference, we request applicants for three viable options, three options will comply with the guidelines. Um, so, I mean, in the past, we've seen options where they comply and then they ask for a modification and they adjust the design, but, but the initial one complies with all the um, regulations and all the requirements. So I'm just trying to see here the, the, the benefit uh, as this relates to the pedestrian experience, the pedestrian connection with the um, CKC and other areas. I don't know, Tyler, do you have any any thoughts, comments? Yeah, I'll go quickly because I know that David um, has his hand raised and has a comment. Um, my biggest concern, my biggest concern is the facade that it gives off for option three that it seems very uh very closed off even if we worked on that one corner it just seems like one big structure and so i would be more interested and um more advocated if there is a way to give off at least the facade of it broken up combining option one combining option two into a way that gives off that impression that there is not this big just wrapped building around it even if it does meet code um but again uh like you were saying carlos that there is issues there when it comes to meeting those those codes when it comes to the other examples and the only one that seems to be the most uh relevant to, to meet the code is option three but again that look of it just seems like one big wrapped building with some open areas on the inner parts for the residents and i want to be able to have something that shows residential, community, retail, all combined together, you know, with also, you know, contributions to the residents to have a little bit more of a private area. And I saw that with option one and option two more than I do with option three. So, you know, I guess it's going to have to go back to, you know, what is the compliant and then basically how we can take it from there and see if there's anything that we can, you know, add some feedback and, and add some, um, guidance as far as to that structure so i still think that we're still kind of in that 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 area right now thank you taylor and uh i see david that you have your uh hands raised uh, this is time for deliberation but we'd like to hear your comments i, I appreciate it and I, I do understand it's time for your guys deliberation just after hearing you know, everybody's comments between Tyler and, and Randall, uh, Sapri and, and yours, Carlos. Um, you know, I feel like all three options really do meet the code. And as, as you mentioned, um, you know, there there is a potential for the facade changing, you know, based off of our request for the modulation. However, um, if that is a something after hearing Randall's comments that, you know, it is usually kind of uh, a steadfast rule or, or that there's a little bit more strictness than what we are anticipating for the modulation request and whether or not this is the time. And it sounds like this might not be the time to, to get that resolved. Uh, I still feel like the three options give 
this board three um, three options that meet code, meet the design requirements with little potential changes. And I would request that, uh, you know, we've come back a second time. We put great deliberation, consideration and, and design in, into these three options coming back to the board. Um, that the board at least take a vote on one of these preferred options and then give us the comments back and let us address those comments to make sure when we do come back, you know, in the next iteration to the uh, to the DRC, um, we we can take that time during those next you know steps and and make sure that we are hitting all of all of your points. But in order to come back, you know, uh, and go back to deliberation on this, um, you know, I, I feel is is unfair because we we put in considerable considerable amount of time and in, in design into this. And I'd like to continue moving this forward. And I think that we can, um, Tyler, as you mentioned, make sure that we have that residential, the, the community and the amenity space for our tenants and overall um, with, with our options. And, and so I'd like to see this progress. And, and that's all I ask. Thank you, David. Um, we greatly appreciate your comments and uh, we'll just um, take it into account and proceed with deliberation. Um, so, um, board, uh, from what I've heard, uh, Randall's, uh, preferred option is option three. Um, Tyler, um, if you select one of the options, would you have a preference for option one, two, or three? Be completely transparent. Um, I would want to go with option two. Okay. Um. So Brian, would you have uh, any preference between option one, two, or three? Looking at what's been provided to us, Carlos, I prefer option three. Um, I didn't see options one or two as articulated enough to make um, that decision to go with them. You know, there was more information about option three, I felt. Okay. And uh, my my um, my take on on these three options, and this is what I uh, after reviewing and basically comparing uh, side to side all three, is that I'm more inclined to see option two on how it relates to the massing. Um, if you uh, board members go to page fifty nine of the package that we received. Uh, the reason why I feel that option two uh, basically interacts or compl or complies with the design guidelines for massing is because option option one uh, on 128 it's it's a very long uh, facade uh, and very repetitive modulation with the parapets. There's not a lot of um, horizontal modulation, extrusions of volumes. It's pretty much flat. There, there's some um, basically intent to uh, create some modulation, but it's, it's not really there yet. Uh, on 124, the, the, the building is broken into three volumes, which is uh, nicer than 128. Option two and three uh, are uh, quite different. Option two, 
uh, I, I just like the way the, the building breaks uh, at the intersection and uh, basically opens or closes to closes down to the residential units. Uh, I feel that option two would be more successful just because of the break that they have on 128 is not a long um, facade. It basically has two volumes. Um, one of them, the, the main one that is at the intersection, has um, more pronounced, um, more pronounced uh, extrusions. It reads uh, nicer, and uh, the volume at uh, at the back or the north of the of the property, I think that it has the scale that is required. Option three, uh, again, um, it's close to, or basically doesn't um, doesn't have any um, any openings to 124. The only opening that is uh, visible from a pedestrian level experience is the one at the corner. But as soon as you turn north on 128, it's again all closed and. Uh, to me, that pretty much looks like massing one where there's not a lot of modulation. The parapets uh, are getting a little bit repetitive. And on 124, that is the main street, it's the same deal. Uh, I, I feel that 124 has more modulation for option two, which is the main street, than option three. That's why I feel more inclined to that one. I, I see the intent that the applicant tried to do uh, for that uh, landscape area, uh, the intersection for massing three. But I, I, I believe that for massing two, if they try to go with the same and just open up that area uh, at the pedestrian level, it would bring more benefit and interest to those retail spaces rather than be facing to another property to face to the main street. That will also give some buffer space. Carlos, you want to mute? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I spent um, so many time. So just to quickly recap, um, and my apologies for that. I didn't notice that I wasn't mute. Um, so. Um, just looking at page 59 of the um, package that we received where we have the massing scheme comparison, uh, option one, two, and three uh, are basically shown um, side to side. I believe that option one, um, the uh, facade that is on 128, it's very continuous. It doesn't have any breaks or modulation. It has some intent, but the parapets are pretty much repetitive and uh, there's not enough extrusions and voids there. Option two and three appeal uh, or seem to be more interesting. So um, just to basically look at this site and at this property, I believe that 124 is the main street. It's where the building should be opening to. Uh, option three, it seems that it's basically a continuous facade and it has a break at the intersection. But other than that, you look north uh, on 128, and it's again continuous compared with option two, where it breaks on both uh, facades, has more interest, uh, creates more um, opportunities for public plazas, especially in 124. 
So I think it feels more successful. I, I believe that if the applicant um, can pull something where they open up the space where they have that um, balcony area or that intersection uh, where the volumes on 124 uh, Street are, uh, it could become more successful from, from a pedestrian perspective rather than option three, where it's basically at the corner. So at this point, I don't know, board members, if so, Carlos, what the is same. what is hard to see in on that comparison is it showing that the grade on one twenty fourth is flat. That's the hard part to understand how the facades are modulated with this public plaza that we were talking about for option three. Um, and how that would interact with, say, if you looked at option two, you know, what would happen to that plaza if we have this courtyard at the second level? Well, right? that's the I guess that it's up to the applicant to kind of like come up with an option. What I'm saying is that, uh, yes, I know that uh, basically that intersection, the highest point is at the corner and then it goes down uh, to the north and to the west of the property. Um, I guess that if the applicant can uh, read the site and ensure that open areas are provided, that is not just like a continuous facade, but it brings more interest um, from a retail perspective. I guess that from just a pedestrian experience perspective, it will make it more successful than just making it a continuous um, volume on that street, which doesn't uh, bring a lot of modulation, a lot of co complexity, um, and basically um, not vertical or horizontal, um, just modulation. And if you don't mind, uh, to, to also to piggyback off of that too, is that with that being said, even though this, there would be retail that would be more at the bottom level, but it would give more of an attraction towards people wanting to engage and see that there's more areas too. It also, again, it breaks everything up. So it goes off the facade that there's multiple buildings. It's not just one big lawn strip. And I've seen this done with many different retail and residential. If you look at the Hyatt that's over in Bellevue, they have uh, the Hyatt the residence. They have a spot that's up above the retail that is a courtyard that is designed to have people that are coming from um, different shopping centers, residents can come down. It, it gives off that ability to have community and also will offer people to want to want to come back. And, and that's where I see it as well. I, I see how that can give a lot of attraction and also not be such an eyesore of something being just super consistent. So that's why um, you know I support and, and, and strongly advise moving forward with option two. David, so, um, do you have anything to add? See that you have your hand raised. Yeah, um, just a couple of things on that. So from Carl, so what, what I'm hearing from you is when we had this, the, the first meeting, um, there was a, a request for us to look at that corner at at 124th and 128 and really make a waypoint there at the pedestrian level to bring people from that corner from our commercial frontage 
around the corner and lead them on to 124th and on to 128th and eventually on to the CKC. And, um, you know, we, we were trying to balance many things, but at the end of the day, I know that economics aren't, you know, part of the overall design for everything, but we also have to have a certain number of units square footage to make that work. So what I'm hearing from, from you based off of those last comments is that you like this pedestrian corner with some of that park area from option three. However, you like the, the cutouts in the facade from option two, but you would like us to, to cut out part of the building on option two to get you a look like option three. And I just don't see that as being feasible. And if I if we're looking at this, we are proposing three different massings to you. And so if we're going to approve a massing, it would be the massing as one stands, as two stands, or as three stands, not as option two, how you like it, with portions of option three built into it. You know, that that's just not feasible. In addition to that, um, Tyler, your comment about uh, the, the Hyatt, I totally know what one you're talking Well, I think I know what one you're talking about. And I do like that interaction. And the one that I was thinking about also was the Whole Foods off of Denny, where you have that deck, you have those huge stairs. Um, the only thing I would say to that is the biggest thing for our tenants is safety. And that's becoming even more paramount with everything. And so making sure that we can create a very comfortable safe environment for the public along the frontage and making sure that we uh, create the, the safety that, that our tenants need and, and, you know, should come to expect. So we're not interacting with an upper level courtyard where we have actually private residents and people going onto a courtyard and then having just part of the overall community come onto that courtyard, I, I think would be very concerning for, for those tenants. So there's a reason why we're differentiating the residential portion from the overall commercial, uh, yet still you. trying to bring everything together. I hear you. I hear you on that. And that's something that I believe that you guys can work out in a way to make it so that maybe there is one side that is just strictly for the residents. So they feel more safe in the community. And there's also an area where they, it's a combination. Residents can go and people have also... Uh, you know, shopping uh, in different pedestrians. The other part of that too, that I'm trying to look at the full big picture is that I'm not just looking at your building and how it's going to be conceptual, but it's also the businesses that are around you. You have other businesses and every other business always has a concern or complaint about, you know, some new building being constructed and how not only does it cause them any sort of issues or irritation, but does it comply also with whatever what's going around them? Does it does it work with them? You know, so you have also a car dealership that's right next to you. What better option for it to work as a community and work with your fellow neighbors as to offer a place that visually they can see just right off that corner? Oh, I can go over there to a coffee shop. Oh, they have a balcony over there while finance is running my numbers. So it's offering a sense of community, and that is a big part to look at it too. I hear you. Safety is a major factor, especially today's. I mean, today, this it's, it's very unsure right now. But I think that's an area that you guys can figure out using this sort of model and scale. I agree. And I think we can, no matter what design we, we get to. Thanks, Sabian. Thanks, Taylor. Um, so 
um, board members. Um, I believe that at this point I just stated uh, my reasons why I don't feel comfortable um, moving forward with option three. I feel that uh, the facade on 124 doesn't have enough uh, modulation. And uh, I believe that option two uh, has or presents a superior design from a pedestrian perspective and experience just walking down through that area. Um, I, I, from what I've heard from everyone, Tyler, I think that you feel uh, um, more inclined to option two. And uh, Randall and Supraya, yes. do you prefer option three? So is there an opportunity to um, combine these um, comments so we can provide guidance to the applicant? I don't so know. Carlos, if... um, what I'm hearing is there are elements from option two and elements from option three that the board likes. Is that is that accurate to say? Yeah. Right. And I think maybe providing comments talking about the elements is more appropriate than just saying option two or three, because I think that's what we're looking for. And I feel the same. I think I feel that, uh, yeah, that that's something that we should be uh, looking at tonight rather than approving one specific option. Yeah. R Randall, do you, do you agree? What? So what you're requesting or what you'd be requesting the applicant to do is go to option four and give them the elements of the various options to put together to make option four. Is that what we're asking? I think that's correct. I feel that we've seen, uh, and as yeah, the applicant the, said. The, okay, the applicants are sitting yeah. there shaking their heads. I'm not sure if they're bobbing like, oh my gosh, or no. Because uh, I I look at this and I go, okay, this, this property here has an 80 foot allowance. And then on basically the car dealership, you know, regardless that the car dealership is relatively new, it would be, it will be built to its highest in use, best use for the property, which would be another building massing similar to what we're dealing with here and then you go to the north side and the east side 45 feet you go across the street to the strip mall it may not be this development cycle it may not be the next development cycle but they're all going to 45 feet and so over the next 10 15 20 years that will all be developed out and so when we look at it and say yeah you got a car dealership next to you the way that the city has designed uh, you know, the planning of this and that zoned it, it's going to be changing. Yeah, that's the highest and best use. And so as I look at this, I'm going like with an 80 foot structure, this is going to be the prominent structure. And it's in this corner. And I just feel that there needs to be a greater focal point on that corner of 128th and 124th, and I think option three provides that. Because then when you get to option two, you've got a cutout that goes deep into, uh, the, into the building and then you go around. And 
whether or not 128th is a fairly long uh, elevation or west elevation or long elevations, I think in the grand scheme of things in the end is going to be less noticeable than coming down 124th. That's going to be your point, your focal point in this corner at 124th and 128th is really going to become a focal point. And that's where me option three puts that building and gives them a signature on that corner. Uh, and so that's why that's why I I prefer it. Uh, and that and I, I mean the one thing that that troubles me about these buildings uh, right now, and this is this is a general statement, is we get these these courtyards that are six six stories or seven stories. And it's like the, the project now over on Forbes Creek uh, Drive, where we've got kind of a U-shaped building that's got six stories and it's what, 22, 24 feet wide going up six stories. It's pretty dark even today. And, and so, you know, I don't know how you fight that and how you deal with that, but so, so that's just, inherent in the product that we're trying to produce here. And so I, you know, I really look at the opportunity here is that corner of 124th and 128th and how that's going to develop out because that's the signature corner. And once we start to try and pull the building massing down to mid block or something like that, you know, we're missing the opportunity of that pedestrian corner. Because in the future, if you look at 45 feet and the, all the stuff that can happen to the east, what can happen to the north and what can happen to the south, that intersection becomes a major intersection. And I just feel that the building needs to announce itself at that intersection. And I, I agree with you on, on the corner treatment but I still feel that 124th is prominent. It's, a, it's the main street, and there's not enough modulation there. Um, basically, it's just a long facade with some extrusions. And yes, you have the retail at the bottom area, which I even might, makes it longer because it's just all continuous. So definitely, 124th needs additional modulation, at least something that. Um, shows uh, more design, more uh, adherence to the guidelines. I, I, we can ask for more modulation, not change a floor plan, but more modulation. And I'm well, not sure how that affects their square footage and that type of thing. But, and that, but I just, I, I, I mean, we're down to a preference here and we're down to, really what we're trying to tell the applicant that they need to do. And where we're at is they need to come back with a fourth option. Right. So um, I guess that John um, and Jennifer, um, just uh, in terms of tonight's um, meeting, uh, would that make sense if uh, the board uh, provides feedback not on a preferred option, well, not on the, any of these three options that the applicant has presented, 
or a fourth option that might incorporate the comments that we have discussed tonight? I believe that the board does not feel um, ready to approve the modifications, but at least to keep feedback on the applicant on what they need to do, what's the main focal point. And I guess that if you guys need additional guidance, we would like to, um, we, or additional direction to the applicant, we would like to hear specifically what is required what is needed. Uh, yeah, let me think about this. Um, it doesn't happen often, but I do recall where the board does look at the different massing options. And, you know, let's say the preferred is three, but they like elements of a different option. I've, I know in the past the board has done that, and I know applicants have been... Um, I guess what I'm trying to say, in those instances in the past, I think the direction was a little bit more concrete, meaning, oh, we like option three, but we like this element in two, and there was a discussion with the applicant, and it seemed like it was doable. So then we were able to move forward to a, a design response conference. Um, what I'm hearing tonight, it seems like, you know, I think the board has the ability to do that, but it's like, is there enough direct? Is there enough um, direction or concrete um, design direction to where the applicant can actually just come back at the design response conference and have something that the board was, you know, that's what the board envisioned. Um, I'm not a. I'm not getting the sense that it is exactly that clear, and I don't know. Maybe I'd like to. To hear from Sean or David, um, you know, is there is there enough that you're hearing from the board where you can actually come back at the design response with um, a combo approach? I don't know how to raise my hand, so I'm just raising it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we would much rather, obviously, have direction. Um, that we can work with. We don't want to go through this process again. Um, you know, we would like to, to, you know, massage this into something that can actually come to fruition. And if it sounds like what you're saying is that you like the featured corner on option three and you like the opening facing 124th on option two. Um, I mean, if there's some way that we can have more of a featured corner on option two, would that be something that the, the board would um, allow us to move forward with? And then um, provide, you know, numerous different details on, on how we're achieving that vision in the design response conference. I'm just going to step in and say yes. Absolutely. Tyler, can I ask you one more question on that? <clears throat> Do you like the opening along 124th as that's currently designed versus the option, that design corner that we have in option three? Or if we were able to pull more of our commercial space to the west side in option three, would that give you enough, I guess, to, to bring you, knowing that you like option two right now, that if we were able to, to commit more of a commercial space and orientation to the west side to connect with our west and keep the, the material design of option three, would that be something that you would consider? 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something worth looking at. I think visually for me, I would have to see that just, just so I can get an idea of that concept of what that would look like. But I mean, I'm definitely open to that option. Um, I have to hear to my, with my fellow colleagues, what they have to say, but. Brian, do you have any? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, the views that we were looking at for comparison, I think having them show what you're doing at the pedestrian level, like you explained to me how the, uh, there's going to be sort of lack of a better word, a terrace where there's a plaza and then there's a sidewalk. I think that does not come out in those views to show the modulation. So if someone's standing on the corner of 124th and 128th and looking west, what do they see in all three options? You know, because there's a gradation there as well which is not seen in those views. Um, I think the modulation in breaking of that facade on 124th, to me, doesn't necessarily have to be a courtyard. It could be a different kind of modulation that you do in the facade treatment. Because I completely understand having a courtyard that's open on 124th may not be that appropriate or fun for the residents. I get that. It could be noisy, you might hear more traffic noise and they might not want to interact with the public below since this is only for the, the renters or um, the people who are using these apartments. John, can I ask you to bring up the elevation uh, from your shortened study, the colored elevation? on 124th um the elevation for which one the option three but the colored one not just that is that page 79 here i actually have some some more images that might get you there Like the Tesla. <laughs> Got to get the truck in there eventually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the only way we get to see it. But I mean, I guess another thing to consider is that if if the pedestrian view and the pedestrian engagement is what's most important, when you have that weather protection and you're in there, you're shopping around, you're dining, you're not going to see an opening in the courtyard uh, in the in the facade. So. That would it would be for another purpose, you know, visual aesthetics or or, or what have you. So you know, maybe a yeah. um, more pronounced recessed recessed area um, or a different material. Or, or I mean, there's a way that we can achieve that look for you guys and and make this work with one of those two options. Is there a way? Because I I you know come to think of it, and what Sapria did point out that is a noisy area, and I. I absolutely could see where that would probably disrupt or annoy residents that they were trying to be on their, you know, if that was a private courtyard. So that being said, if you were to block that off and still have that corner that number three has, is there a way 
that you could still add that courtyard um, on on 128th that number two or option two has sort of combining if you were to cut off that corner on 124th. You mean to kind of cut off that gap. move this this courtyard as opposed to having it being offset be more central so it breaks the building up more? Yeah. Is that a possibility? We're still offering that sort of corner attraction. Yeah, that's possible. And as you as you look at this, that you know, the more pedestrian oriented street is going to be 128th. 124th, given the the arterial that it is and the speed that traffic is moving on there and will continue to move and the width of that that drive. I think what what you're showing right now where you've got the the steel box planters and landscaping between essentially between the pedestrians and the retail space and you've got that overhang coming out and that type of thing really provides a very reasonable pedestrian way continuously along there for 124th. And then as you turn the corner, you know, really, I think, Tyler, you're looking at it and saying, okay, if we can break up that facade on 128th. And so you've really got to look at is as you come down 124th, at what point around peaking around a 45 foot tall building, are you going to see that? And what are you going to see? I mean, when this this is first project in, we will see it day one. But later in the life of, of all of these buildings in this neighborhood, what will we or won't we see? So just circling back on this, um, I, I believe that um, the board members um, believe that um, the corner treatment um, is appropriate for this uh, location. And as uh, Supriya said, uh, it, it'll just need uh, additional study of the modulation for the board to just um, feel that uh, this complies with uh, the guidelines. How does it not comply with the guidelines? Well, I believe that, uh, and I mentioned this to you about the long um, facades, um, basically awesome, more man. than 70 feet uh, long. That's not per the guidelines. Um, the if you're to look at page 63, it gives you all the critical dimensions for 124th. This is specific to option three, but there's no dimension over 70 feet. Um, and there's four feet, and yeah, I mean, modulation of up to six feet, which is within city code. Yeah, that's Northwest has a 101. I'm, I'm not saying that you guys need to stick with that. I'm just saying that we would like to see more modulation if possible. So I'm not asking you to come back and redesign the building uh, from, from zero. I'm 
asking if there's an opportunity for the applicant to just uh, revise and take a second look at this, come back with the additional modulation if possible. I would request that the board you know, take a vote on one of the options and come back and give us comments that you would like to see more modulation. That way we could, you know, make make those comments and, and address those at the DRC versus um, going through this iteration once once again. Check it out, uh, board members, would you like to see more modulation on option three? Randall, what do you think about that? It just depends on what what you're actually defining as modulation, what you're wanting to see. Uh, because what they're what they me what they're showing is they're meeting, you know, they're meeting the guidelines, the modulations, and how far, you know, what the offsets are, and the variety of things that are happening there. Uh, I think what we're struggling with is the length of the building. And yet we've got a prescriptive code that says you can, you know, every X number of feet you need to modulate. And they have they have met those requirements. And so through color, through materials, that modulation comes out. And so that would be it'd be a question, you know, to the applicant of, you know, whichever, you know. Uh, option we're saying is is okay now bring it back with your material selections and how does that how does that work because you could you can modulate and make each of these look like a different you know every 60 feet look like a different building if you wanted to now it's a question is what do they want to do right and th that's up to them i guess to determine. yeah and so that'd be the yeah. that'd be the question is is we just wanted to we want to we want to break up. I guess the question is, how do you state it? We want to break up that length of facade, so it doesn't that the massing of it just does not appear to be as long as it is. I guess I'm trying to pick a way to say that, and I'm not sure if that's right. the appropriate way to say it, but something of something of that sort that just says, you know, because on the on the non-colored elevations where we got kind of a sepia color on them and that uh, or you know, three-dimensional drawings and this type of thing, it's it's pretty bland. But when you go back to, it's at page 79, it's got the color, you know, the color rendering down 124th, you get a whole different feel. And so I think it really comes back as to how, to how, how they want to project that modulation in their color palette and material palette. Well, it also relates to what we would like to see for the next. Uh... Yeah. And that's all part of the design response conference. So, Tyler, I know that you um, were opting for option two. Um, if the if... applicant uh, do work on these um, comments, do you would you approve option three? Yes. Um, looking at seeing it, and and I have to say, you know, when you when you see it from the the first sort of sketch out, it, you don't really get to see that full visual feel that you get to see when you see the colors and and more of a ground pedestrian side of it. So 
it now makes more sense of option three. Um, and also that was a very good uh, call out Supriya when it came to the fact of noise and inconvenience that 124 could cause if you were to have some sort of either residential or pedestrian courtyard there. So um, I've changed my vote to option three. However, I would like to see a way of how you could break up that, give some facade of, of, of the buildings looking breaked up. I would personally prefer if you put like a, a courtyard in there, but we'll see what you guys can do. Okay, since at the end, the majority of the board uh, is inclined for option three. So, um, John, uh, I guess that uh, I'm looking at you just to um, see if it's now clear uh, that the board will all be expecting for uh, the next um, um, design uh, response conference um, uh, breakup um, with any technique that the applicant would like to implement based on the guidelines of the facade. Does that make sense? Were you asking me, Carlos or Sean? Um, you, uh, John, uh, or I guess that both. <laughs> yes, oh. that makes sense. I think it makes sense, Carlos. <laughs> yeah. All right. And uh, board members uh, regarding the um, modifications to the buffer, um, do you feel um, inclined to accepting this or what would you like to see? We need, Carlos, we, need, we need to go ahead, Randall. We need to see a lot more in regards to these modifications as to how you know how do they set up against the building setback line, uh, code required building setback lines, and this type of thing, and how how that all sets up. And and traditionally, we have looked at it that the building needs to breathe, not the setbacks. And and so I. You know, you have, I feel you have to have a pretty darn good reason why you're extending into setbacks or doing something different and reducing buffers and, and these types of things. Because please look at it from our side. Once we give it to you, where do we stop? And that's what the, and that's what the guidelines are. The guidelines are that we, we really look at it from a designer's design review aspect of it, but I don't want the developer across the street saying, well, gee, you gave it to them, so we get it. And the next thing we know, we've rewritten the, we've rewritten the code. And, and, and I just, I don't feel that as a board, we can do that. So, so do take a very close look to that and work through that and then just come back and be able to soundly tell us why and, and argue your point as to why to accept any modifications, but I'd try to keep them simple and, and easy. Supriya, do you agree with that? I agree with that. I think there is a way to achieve the buffer that are required, or at least show us uh, different options and what that give and take is if they can't meet it. Tyler, um, do you have any additional comments about that? No, I agree. Sean, uh, is it clear for your team? 
it's clearish. <laughs> Basically, uh, what we would like to make sure is to have information, more specific information. Um, typically, whenever we go to these uh, design response conferences, we we see uh, elevations from uh, for all the facades, uh, building sections, uh, materials, all that um, all that fun information that oh, is yeah. always good to see. So well, now that we have something to work with, we'll, we'll be able to provide much more information and give you all a better look at uh, what we're proposing. And hopefully that meets the guidelines and we'll take everything you said today into consideration, um, you know, with finalizing that submission and hopefully you'll, you'll like what you see. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think that that makes sense uh, for the board and um, hopefully that's, that's all that you need. John, um, now that we have provi provided guidance to the applicant, um, do you need to also clarify anything or are we good? I think we're good. I just, just question to Jen. Do you have any questions or you good think, as well? Okay. I don't think I have any questions. I have been taking kind of some summary notes. Maybe <laughs> it's helpful for me just to do a quick little run through and make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, yeah, go ahead. If that works for you guys. Um, yeah. So some of it we just talked about, but let's make sure we're on the same page. Um, so massing option, the board sounds like they are good to proceed with option three, but they're looking for more breakup of the length of those facades, considering things like upper level courtyards or other techniques based on the guidelines. Um, and they really appreciate that, that signature corner. And so keeping that corner treatment, I think is really important to them. Um, we just talked about modifications. So looking for more detail there, the board's not ready to um, approve and just wanted to clarify kind of where historically where that line has been and and having the applicant really take that into consideration. Um, pedestrian perspectives, um, like Carlos said, obviously with the DRC, we get into a lot more of like elevations and sections and all of that. So renderings that focus on overall pedestrian perspective and experience, landscape details, um, we'll focus on assessment of those trees along the west property line that Randall brought up earlier on um, and clarification for those buffer mods. Um, let's see, setback encroachments. So making sure that those property lines are clearly delineated on the plans um, and that they're clear to see and that the setbacks are on there as well. Um, I'll add in my own little thing. Also, you know, we have that wetland buffer. Those are some of the other boundaries that are listed on there. Um, Let's see, massing materials. So looking for 3D models, including pedestrian experiences from the ground level perspective. Plaza and signature corner details. So looking for more detail on that corner. Um, visuals looking into opening up the corner if possible. We've talked about modulation. Um, so making sure that those dimensions are all compliant and avoid continuous volume along the long facades. And finally, my last note was elevations, making sure they're clear and consistent um, images and showing those grade changes. I think that was kind of a comment from the board throughout is there were lots of smaller questions about really being able to see what are those grade changes and how does that interact with the pedestrian experience? Did I miss anything? I think that you did a great job about that. And, okay, uh, cool. And I guess that just regarding the sections, we would like to see sections at the critical points. 
the way uh, areas of the building where they are closer to the property lines possible or where you have any balconies that might look that they are encroaching into any of these setbacks. I added that in. Thanks, Carlos. Mm -hmm. And did you did you know material and material finishes and colors? I yep. think you so, said that. But, yeah, so massing and materials. Yeah, but I'm but moving moving more into uh, and that that ties with the massing and how you break up those elevations using the material and colors, but it'd be appropriate to start to bring those into into that as to really what your colors color scheme or yeah, not that we want to really pick your color scheme, but we want to just see how that works and goes from there. Because we usually get into would the board want to see a materials uh, board and color board? I guess that if the applicant has that information, okay. uh, we that. We'll, we'll provide yeah. that. Yep. Okay. Thank you. And, and then, then last, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sabrina. Oh, I was just going to say, since we're talking about materials, talking about materials and hardscape as well on the plazas, um, how that works with the building and landscape. Yes, just, we can provide some examples there as well. And I just want to clarify on the cross sections, uh, would the board want to see um, the neighboring buildings as well? I think it, um, it will be helpful to understand what are the limitations with the um, heights for the adjoining uh, properties. It can be very schematic, doesn't need to be specific, but just to understand the zoning and uh, heights for the adjoining properties. So do you want us to show us the heights, the the proposed new heights or the existing, just allowable, existing buildings? Whatever is, um, and for, I guess that the, you agree with me, whatever it's allowed by um, yep. the zone. Yeah, yeah, usually usually applicants will show both. Um, they'll show like in a darker color, maybe existing, and then a lighter color will be the envelope. Okay. Right, well, if there's nothing else, I think that's all for, um, this uh, conceptual design conference. Thank you very much, David and Sean, for sticking this late. Hopefully, we Thank can you. see you soon. Thank you, everybody, Looking for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Right. Thank, Thank you, guys. Good night. Thank you. So, next in our agenda is just um, administrative reports and DRB discussion. Poll for attendance for next DRB meeting. John and Jennifer. Yeah. Um, so before I talk about the meetings. Um, just want to welcome Supriya. Yes. <laughs> She's our newest member. Welcome, Supriya. Next time we'll see you on video, okay? <laughs> I know. There's something I need to, I don't know if I have to call IT or what I need to do to get my... Yeah, I think you should um, maybe do a test run with them sometime yeah. this week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, as far as the next meeting, uh, our next regular, regularly scheduled meeting is June 5th. And currently I was just looking on the, the calendar. It doesn't look like there's anything on there, but I think 
there is. Um, it's going to be the Modera uh, Design Response Conference, which is, which is the Bridal Trails project. Um, so please mark that on your calendars, and of course, we'll, we'll we will call again a week prior to, to confirm that we have a quorum. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Um, well, uh, now anyone would like to suggest an adjournment? Yes, agree. Agree. Okay, seems that Supraya is suggesting an adjournment. Is that correct? Yes. All right. I, sec would I like second to... it. Okay, move on second. Uh, everyone in favor say aye. 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 <laughs> This meeting is adjourned. Uh, thank you very much uh, for uh, joining tonight, and hopefully, we'll see everyone uh, next time. I'm literally just. Bye. 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 Bye.